Back with you one final time for the week here on the block. Austin and Strix. Been a good week. Strix down in Dallas. We're joined in studio now by Kenny Wilhite. Kenny, you're the man. I did not realize Johnny Rogers had a son that went to Nebraska. Terry Rogers was a really good running back at Omaha, of course, but he hurt his knee. He never mm-hmm. did get back to 100% with that knee injury. So I was fortunate enough to be on the team in 90. He was on that team, and then after that, he was done. Gotcha. News of the day, Daniel Kalen decommits from Missouri. What do you make of that? Well, we talked off air um, with Nebraska not getting Riola. You know, you have to make a run at him, and they probably made a run at him, and he decommitted from Missouri. Now, when he commits to Nebraska, I don't know, but I'm, I'm willing to bet you they had to make a run at him for him to, to decommit from Missouri. You think you think it's Nebraska? You, you think that's it? That's the only reason he decommit? Or is there potential that he's looked somewhere else? Well, I'm sure other schools like Nebraska and other schools have continued to communicate with him, even though he committed to uh, Mizzou. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, as a former recruiter, the number one guy decommits. I mean, number one guy you don't get, you go back to the number two guy and Hopefully he he decommits and he's in your backyard. Hopefully he decommits to where he's committed to, and then you have a shot at him. The other interesting thing about this is that it's not just Daniel Kalen, the target for Nebraska. They're two really good prospects at wide receiver. Is it more important to get Kalen or either of the wide receivers in the fold? Did they, do they play off each other at all? I think they'll they'll play off each other. Um, I don't think you have a shot at Hall. Hmm. McMorris. Yes. He's he's not going to be an easy get. But if Kalen jumps on board, now he can be reunited with his high school quarterback. You never know. But, it, again, this recruiting thing, I mean, the kid was committed to Mizzou. Power 5, SEC. And we talked about it. And he, he commits. They're not yours until, you, until they sign on that dotted line. So, And everybody, I heard, um, who did you have on? From from Casey, uh, Nate talking about Riola. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he was committed to Ohio State, decommitted. Now he's committed to Georgia. Will he end up in Nebraska? Legacy and all that? Mm, nah. I mean, it's it's going to take a while until until Nebraska lands a kid like that. Absolutely. Whether it's out of the portal, I mean, it's probably slightly easier out of the portal. It'll be easier out be? of the out of the portal than it would be out of high school. At what point, though – okay, let's let's play this hypothetical out a little bit. Dylan Riola goes to Georgia for a year, maybe two years, and then enters the transfer portal. Is he damaged goods? Is he bottom of the barrel? Or is this, you know, like Caleb Williams entering the transfer portal? What does that look like? Without film, mm-hmm. you got to take him off potential because he hadn't played in two years or a year. You know what I mean? Without mm-hmm. film. Um is he good now? Yes, but in two years, how good is he going to be? Has he reached his ceiling? You, you don't know. I think, um, Kenny, one, one thing I want to throw out there, just just this is hypothetical because none of this is set in stone, but just say Nebraska has a Mel Tucker type of turnaround, right, where they come out and they run off and have like a – you know, 10 and two, you know, something crazy like that. Right. Um, does that change the perspective 
as far as like a potential with a rival. Now say that happens and there's two receivers that just go nuts that are returning type of guys. Is that something that could change a potential mind of a kid? You got to hope you don't a legacy type of kid. You got to hope you don't lose those two receivers because if you hypothetically look at Michigan state now, that was a yeah. one year deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you, yeah. and schedule's kind of easy, but it's not easy. And then after mm-hmm. next year, there's no East or West. If you know what I mean. So right. your window was this year, this past season, with the schedule you had. Mm-hmm. And so you haven't – and we talked about it yesterday. I don't know if they've made enough headway on both sides of the ball to be better than where they were last year, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, um, it, like you said, it, it could happen. They can go 10-2, and 9-3. and three. And then hopefully that's a springboard to another good year. But after this year, there's no guarantee. Strict. It's going to get even. It's going to get even tougher with the scheduling, and you know. So to 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 answer the answer to your point is, could it make it easier? It could, but it also can make it hard. Let's pause ten seconds for ID. We'll be back. We'll wrap up on the block after this. This is Lincoln's home for sports talk on the FM dial. The home of Kansas City Royals baseball. KNTK FM Firth, 93.7 The Ticket. Recruiting the quarterback position, even from the outside, just seems so different than the other position. I'll ask you two questions, Kenny. Number one, is it different recruiting a quarterback than any other position? And number two, what's the right number on a roster? Do you need one every class? Or how do you settle into that that number in a room? It's different because... The quarterback is is essentially the captain of your football team. Um, he's usually one of your leaders. But if you miss, you stair step him, or one every other year. Mm-hmm. If you have one now that's on your roster that's really good and it has two years, you don't need one because you just need two capable backups behind him. You don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. After if he's done, like Jeff Sims is done next year, you want to get one. Mm-hmm. But if you have two or three capable backups behind Jeff Sims with two years behind them, you're good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have – if, you know, Chubba's there, Harburg's there. You don't know how good Harburg's is. You saw Chubba, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably need one this class. Right. A really good one this class. Because mm-hmm. if Jeff goes down, can you depend on Harburg and Chubba? You know what I mean? So that freshman has to be really good. Mm-hmm. Does should Nebraska? I'll say moving forward, should Nebraska look for quarterbacks that are going to be around for you know two years behind the scenes, play for two or three years, and then move on? Should be looking for a four year guy, or can they get to a spot where they get a high enough level where you just go year by year with a new starting quarterback? Well, it's hard. I mean, you got quarterbacks leaving after a year of being on a campus if they're not the guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So. Again, Jay and I have said it over and over and over. You have to recruit the guys that are on your roster currently. But as far as a quarterback position, these big-time quarterbacks, they ain't going nowhere to sit. They want to play after after a year. If not right away, after a year, they want to be the main. Or they're going to go somewhere else. Makes sense. I would bring in Jay Foreman. Jay, last night, Amon was telling stories about his days at middle linebacker. <laughs> hey, AG, he was – hey, coming out of high school, he was swole. So, he – AG's a good athlete, a great athlete. Uh, 
or was a great athlete, still is a great athlete, he could definitely play linebacker. He probably would have been a really good will run and hit because he fast, boy. When you 4-2-1, he might have been overrunning plays, but AD when he was or AG when he was coming into contact, he was going to blow some stuff up. He probably would have overran him. He probably was not going to be a linebacker that was going to keep his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> then go. He's probably just going to turn but, and run. Hey, but when hey, he, if he, he got he there, cause some havoc, he's going to cause some havoc. He blitzed through that A-gap. You ain't, you ain't going to be able to stop him getting in there. So, it's, uh, you know, he's a – you know he's a great he was a great athlete. He could play multiple positions or could have. He was the story came up because he he read run on play action, but was in the backfield already. Yeah. So he met the quarterback and the the running back at the mesh point. Hey, let me tell you something. We we had some guys that make some plays like or made some mistakes like that. When you're so quick and fast, it ends up being a defense. There's a story about Lawrence Taylor playing when he's old St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And this one they had Neil, Neil, Lomax, Neil Lomax, Green, Roy Green, Roy Green and uh, who's the other receiver? Otis Anderson and Otis uh, Anderson. Who's Stump it? Mitchell. Stump Mitchell. And they were good. Receiver and Lewis Sharp Lewis, was a tackle. Yeah. And then they had Deardorff and all those guys. And so the Giants go on the road. And that was the old NFC East. And, and uh, they had put in this play where they had LT out in the, in the slot covering. Well, LT was sleeping <laughs> in, in meetings. So LT, LT said he saw a tip, went in there. They called it, and, and I guess Bill uh, Belichick was a defensive coordinator at that time, along with Bill Parcells. They put this in specifically for the for the Cardinals. Well, they called it, and everybody else knew it. LT goes in there, sacks the quarterback, comes to the sidelines. They LT, what, what the heck are you doing with this, this, and this? He's like, I didn't know, Coach. I saw a tip and went. <laughs> So they drew. So that they became did, a play. That so became well, a defense. Hold on, they de- they decided to draw it up, do the adjustments, that other adjustment just in case of motion. Mm-hmm. They motion to it. LT goes out like he's supposed to cover. Blitz again, sack, force fumble, touchdown. <laughs> they said the two Bills looked at each other. Well, we might as well put that play, that that coverage in. So sometimes uh, superior athletes uh, override uh, superior thinking. And, yes, and that's what AG would have done. And um, you know, I heard you guys talking about quarterbacks. You know, I think. You know, at this point, you know, with Dylan Rayola and stuff, you know, you got to respect the decision. And, um, you know, w- one thing that has to change is can't be thinking, oh, well, maybe if it doesn't work out down the road, we just like a fallback plan. See, that's how you end up. Yep. That's that type of mentality. And I understand it. Look, no, but we would never turn away Dylan right. Rayola. Yes. And, and the circumstances could be different. Kirby Smart could move on to the NFL. The offensive coordinator could leave. Right, because Georgia has not had a lot of luck at quarterbacks. They got lucky, but they have not had a lot of luck of bringing in all these number one quarterbacks, and they end up being what they. The last high rated one was Matt Stafford, that really panned right. out, and that was way before mm-hmm. Kirby. So let's just talk about Kirby, whereas mm-hmm. Justin Fields, all these guys, it just hasn't worked out. And so, you know, it, it could be down the road, but as far as Nebraska goes, um, you have to be realistic. The chances of him coming here was. Probably below fifty percent. I think you know you got to give credit first and foremost to Mickey and staff, which Kenny's there, and Kenny could tell you. And I know from talking to Dom, been knowing Dom pretty much my whole life, uh, even before he got here. And our dads know each other. Whereas I was Mickey rekindled that. It was dead in the water with the previous staff for various reasons. Uh, oddly enough, they were the number one choice at, at North at that Northwestern game, mm-hmm. um, and then came back and. Really went from number one to number zero, but then Mickey rekindled it. Obviously, he's not retained. Uh, Matt Rule and those guys um, piggybacked off of that and really showed him some stuff that where they were in the conversation. But with that being said, you had to have a realistic view when you looked in the mirror where you're at. But then also, 
you know, you got to wish him luck and still, you know, be cordial. And you can't, you know, look at it like as a negative because if you weren't in the conversation after a new coach, then you have to be somewhat worried. I think it's good that they they recruited him hard and he made another decision. But then also you have to make sure that you're not saying, okay, well, we can just be a fallback plan, right? And you got you can't lower your standards. No. You know, and that's part of the problem where we're at. Where I think you, you, you say one thing, then you do another. You know, and that's this has nothing to do with the present staff because they haven't done anything yet. You know, and whereas before the standards, what is the standard? You can tell me, but then your actions are different, right? Um, you can say you want all these things, but are you willing to make the sacrifice? There's an old saying, uh, Strick, and you know this in the NBA is that you know everybody's saying that you know the big things. I want to be a beast, or I want to be a dog, or yeah. whatever the 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 slogan the is. Slogan I'm is, grinding. Yeah. You know, I'm a grinder. Well, everybody wants to say they are those things or whatever. Until you have to do what's called upon to be whatever you say you are, and it's not just when the camera when you're getting interviewed for mm-hmm. at ninety three seven ticket, you know the shameless plug or on you know uh, Aloe channel nine fifty one or something like that, right? It, it's what you do on your own time, how you're thinking. It's an everyday thing. I think you and and this is not just the players, right? It's it's the coaches. It's everybody has to be doing that, and that's how you become a winning program. And that's what everybody has to do. Less talking and more doing. It seems like it probably be the biggest remedy or the best remedy. Now, yes, you have to do the social media stuff, right? We're we're aware of that, you yeah. know. You got to play you, the game on the social media, right? But ultimately, once social media is off and those in the the was it the minute and a half of the reel is done, mm-hmm. well, then we got to get back to real work. And then once that happens, I think you know you'll see some drastic changes in the positive manner. Uh, very quick. Yeah, I got a quick question. Um, <clears throat> there's some things out here that a lot of people are surprised about, and you guys being football guys, just talk about how difficult uh, it is to basically like scrape your whole team and clean it out. Because I mean, this hasn't been done since back, I think, Texas A&M back in the 50s where uh, you pretty much came in and wipe out a whole team and then try to rebuild it back. How difficult is that to do? And are you surprised that like even Dion was able to accomplish it? I got to say that I was. I was I was surprised that you have <laughs> 50 some players that exit and you're you're now on schedule to you know pretty much refill your roster. Just tell us, you know, being football guys, being in that locker room, how difficult that is, and and are you surprised by it? I'm I'm not surprised. It's very difficult, but if you have a plan from it's day easy. one, yeah. it's easy. Yeah. And if you have a plan and you stick to it, is he knew going in when he saw that roster, right? That fifty of them shouldn't be there, right? Whether it's good or bad, but he knew from day one what his plan was going to be going forward. So I'm willing to bet you behind the scenes he was working, working, working towards what he needed to get done once those 50 guys exited his his, sure, his roster. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's. It, I don't think it's that hard when you do have a plan. I don't think it's really that hard when you're when you're coming into a program that was just recently 1-11. Um, so it, it really isn't that hard. And really he, what, he's try, what he was trying to do is change the culture. And sometimes – a lot of these young athletes don't know what they don't know, and they and what they view as hard work or, or what they view as doing the right things is just probably really just showing up, collecting their scholarship check, and and going through the motions. Well, 
you know, Dion, you know, where people are really, they're infatuated with the glitz and glamour of who Dion primetime was. And they, and they were still going back to when he was in college, mm-hmm. when he would show boat and stuff like that. But they forget what made him great. Like they thought they, people were up here really think like he, he by him showboating, that's why he was great. He, he's one of the hardest workers they, they will tell you ever. Uh, the most disciplined football Mm-mm. player of all time. So, and he's been disciplined Lord in business. He was disciplined when he coached at, at that private high school in in Texas, and was disciplined when he was down there at Jackson State. So, the 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 relationships he has and the ability to put together a staff and have guys come work with them. Now, granted, you get Mike Zimmer because he's still getting paid by the Vikings. He had a plan. He didn't do it all by himself. No. And so, you got to think. I, I'm not surprised. I am surprised. I'm not surprised. But the same thing happened when Frost and them got here. It just is in a different way. Now, I think Nebraska, you couldn't do it because once you come here, you're here. You know what I'm saying? So you won't have a coach saying, these aren't my guys for in year three, right? I need better, right? Whereas like Deion, they just gave him free reign. And he let him know. Mm-hmm. He sure did. That'll put a bow on the week of On the Block. Strick, congrats to your nephew graduating. Enjoy your time down in Dallas. We'll see you talk to you next week uh kenny and jay coming up next on old school for strike i'm austin it's been on the block on 93.7 the ticket stay tuned old school comes your way next